Good morning. First reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 6. It's verses 17 to 20. It can be found on page 1177 of your pew Bibles. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Luke, chapter 22, reading from 25 to 32. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen then your brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Our sermon series at present is very much on the love of God and covered by two ancillary subjects, prayer and worship. Beginning of October, there was a sermon, Praying, Seeking Love. The next Sunday, Worship, Receiving love. Last Sunday, worship changed by love. When talked much about adoption from his own experience and particularly also from the scriptures that as Christians we are adopted into God's family. Today, as you see on your service sheets, prayer passing on love. Next Sunday, it'll be worship in community. And the last one, I think, in this series, prayer for the world, the second Sunday in November. So today, prayer, passing on love. The two passages set for us this morning both mention love quite considerably, which is why Mike chose those passages. 
In Ephesians 6, in the few verses that were read to us, love is mentioned five times. And Paul mentions prayer. This passage in Ephesians 6 comes after he has talked about the whole armor of God. Let me read some verses for you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and, in case you've misunderstood it, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're in a heavenly realm right here. We've come here to worship God. We've come here to bring our prayers to God for ourselves, for this church, and for the world. We've come here to hear his word. And earlier on this morning, there was a service of communion with the Lord Jesus Christ around his table, sharing bread and wine together. This truly is a heavenly realm. But Paul is at pains to point out that Satan is active, not only out in the world, in the flesh pots of the world, but in the heavenly realms. I remember being deeply shocked once by a bishop who was preaching in a church where we were about uh, 25, 28 years ago. His name was Dick Lyth, a godly man, retired and now on the staff of All Saints Lindfield. And he said, do you know that when you kneel down for communion, Satan is there beside you? And he wasn't talking about someone you don't like. But you know, Satan is here this morning. You can't see him. You won't hear him. But he is here wanting to take God's blessing for you this Sunday out of your life. (coughs) Before you get to that door this morning, he'll be doing everything he can to take away the word of God and the music and the words of the hymns and the reading of the scriptures that we've heard. And therefore, Paul says, we're in a fight, so take up the whole armor of God. Now, this man writing is in chains, a Roman soldier on each side. That's where he took his picture from. So he talked about the belt that a soldier puts on, and he calls it the Christian belt of truth. He talks about the breastplate to protect the front of the body, the breastplate of God's righteousness. He talks about sandals being put on that the soldier wears so that he is ready to move. And the Christian needs to be ready to move metaphorically, if not literally, with the knowledge and the love of God. The shield of faith, which he says you can quench all the fiery darts of Satan that he will throw at you. 
the helmet of salvation, which is where our passage this morning started. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Bible. And having mentioned all these bits of armor, which is God's armor, not yours or mine, it's God's armor, which we need to metaphorically and prayerfully and spiritually put on for our defense as Christians because we're in a fight. He starts on, or he continues on, about prayer. And he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Praying for all of God's people. Pray also for me, he says. Paul has been writing in strident tones how a Christian soldier is clad, which indicates how Paul expects you and me as Christians to behave. He says the struggle is not a physical thing, but a spiritual thing. That's why I say Satan is here in St. Jude's this morning wanting to take away from your heart and mine the blessing that God has prepared for us. It was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of London's great preachers of a previous century, who wrote, if a Christian is not driven to his knees to pray, let me stop there a minute. How many of us are driven to our knees in prayer? Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if a Christian is not driven to his knees in prayer, it's because he's got no concept of Christian warfare in which he's engaged. And many Christians, sadly, are lost along the way because they don't know that we're in a warfare, but God has provided a protection for us in that warfare. John Stott, a more recent London preacher, said, we'll never take prayer seriously until we accept that spiritual warfare is on us. When the final report came through about the Twin Towers coming down 10, 12 years ago, there was a huge amount of discussion right the way across America and around the world. And the Times and the Telegraph both picked up an American summary, and this, these are the words that were in both those newspapers. The most important failure to 9-11 was the lack of imagination. Our leaders did not understand the gravity of the threat. My dear Christian friend, if you've been a Christian for 50 or 60 years, or whether you've only come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your friend and Savior in the last few weeks, we are in a battle and we need to be aware of the gravity of the threat. Paul asks Christians to pray for him. In fact, he does that in several of his letters. 
He recognizes his utter dependence on the power and the strength that God gives him for him to be enabled to preach. Do you know at Corinth, they, they wrote him off because he was a lousy speaker. Thank God for the letters that we have from his pen. And Paul knew that it was only through what God supplied to him that he was enabled to fulfill his role. And here he is, a prisoner in chains, one Roman soldier on each side of him. And in the next letter, the letter to the Philippian church, Paul says this, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. It was no mistake, it was in prison. It was no bad luck. It was no sob story. Yes, he was suffering. He was incarcerated. He couldn't go on to a mission in Spain, which he'd hoped to go on to, but he was in prison, and he could have complained and bitched and bound, but no, he said, I am put here, indicating God had put him in this particular prison. And he said, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I'm in chains for, the, for Christ. I feel sorry for those soldiers. They didn't stand a chance, did they? Would you like to have been chained to Paul for about six hours on duty? And, 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 and you know, you can imagine what it was like in the guard room before. Are you on Paul duty? Oh, you poor chap. Many of those guards, I think, became Christians. And in this Ephesians letter, he says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, whether to a soldier to whom I'm chained or perhaps to the emperor himself. Earlier in the same letter, he said, I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and how deep is the love of Christ. That was the passion in Paul's heart. Not only did he know and rejoice in the forgiveness of his sins and his new relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but he saw the power of the love of God. God introduced his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the Lord knows the very worst about each one of us this morning. And he loves us just the same. John, in his gospel, wrote, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And Paul knew that eternal life. That's why it burned within Paul's heart that these Christian friends should pray for him so that he might have the ability to proclaim God's love and forgiveness. Some months ago, I think it was about four months ago, Mike announced that a Reverend Jitesh Patel was coming as assistant minister. And if you had your ears opened and were listening this morning and looked up on the screens, you would see all about the service. Now, when is it? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. What time? 
Hands up if you're not going to bother. No, 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 that wouldn't be kind of me. Please, be there. It's the most important juncture in our church life. You pray for this man. I asked four months ago, whenever it was, because I happened to be preaching at the time, would you make a vow with God? Not with me, it's none of my business. But I will pray for Jitesh Patel day by day by day until he comes here in November. I am I'm, I'm getting old. My memory is not what it used to be. And I would find difficulty in remembering a name like Jitesh. John, David, Mike, that's okay, but Jitesh. And so I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I stuck it on a picture in front of my desk so I see it every morning. I haven't met him yet, but he hasn't left my mind in all that time. If you weren't there that Sunday, make a promise to God, not to me, it's not to me, that you'll pray for Jitesh every day this week so that when you shake hands with him, you'll be able to say, Jitesh, I've been praying for you for four months or all every day this last week. What an encouragement that will be to him. He hasn't a clue how difficult it's going to be working with Mike. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I didn't quite mean that like that. Pray for our bishop. If the Apostle Paul needed God to give him the words to preach, so does Christopher, our bishop. Don't just accept the fact that he's a bishop. Satan gets at him and Mike, each one of us, in uniquely different ways. And Christopher, our bishop, will have been under Satan's attack day by day by day for his seeking to serve God. Pray for him. So that the word he gives us next Sunday, you will be able to say, that's the voice of God that's speaking. Pray for Mike. Pray for Jitesh. Pray for all of us who dare to stand up here. And then what are the mention of, of Jesus praying for Simon Peter, as read to us in the gospel passage from Luke. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you are turned back, strengthen your brothers. The first you in the Greek is plural. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, all the disciples. Satan wants to sift you, my friend, whether you're young or old, been a Christian for donkey's years, or have recently come to faith in Jesus Christ. Satan wants to sift you. That's why Paul wrote about the armor of God as he did. We're in a fight. Thank God we're on the victory side. The second you is singular. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have been turned back, strengthen your brothers. 
all of us who stand here, at the very best, are rotten sinners. Don't tell the bishop that next week, by the way. But he's a sinner too. He would be the first to admit his need of a saving God. None of us, none of us, none of us has the right to stand here and lead worship, let alone preach, except under the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. I have prayed for you, Simon. Remember when this was? It was at the Last Supper, just before they went out to the garden where Jesus was betrayed. And he, Jesus, knew everything that lay before him that night and the horrors of the next day, and yet he's concerned for Simon. That is the sort of love God has for you and me. He loves us so much. He knows the struggle, the fight we're in. He knows our feeling of weakness. That's why he instructed Paul to write, put on the full armor of God that you can stand. Three quick points and I finish. The why, the how, and the what of prayer that comes in these last few verses. The why. Because we're in a fight. Earlier in this same epistle, Paul gives me here a description of you folk. Right? I'm going to read a description of you. Every one of you. Right? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were natures and objects of wrath. That's you and me. Maybe, thank God, not now. But it's where we came from. None of us in church this morning are here because of our own righteousness or anything good that we did. One of the most precious words in the Bible. But, having described the awfulness of our previous existence, he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. That's the God that you and I have to live with and live for. And Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, we're in a fight. That's why we should pray. How should we pray? In the Spirit. Well, I go back to that awful description. I won't read it again. You can look at yourselves, the first three or four verses of chapter 2 of Ephesians. That's where we were. But because of his great mercy and his love for us, God has made us alive in Christ. And Paul says we should pray in the Spirit. And when we walk in harmony with the Holy Spirit of God, 
he will lead us in our praying, be it alone with one other person or in a whole church group. The why, the how, and the what. Well, what he says here, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me. That's what I said we should pray for, for our bishop, for Michael, and for anyone who stands here. That words encourage to say them. Because an awful lot of the time, what we have to say is not nice cuddly, cuddly, comfortable because we are in a fight. Therefore, my friends, this week, will you pray for Jitesh? Every day, just ask God to bless him that he may fit in with what God is doing here with Mike like a jigsaw that's perfectly the pieces fit together. And pray for Mike and Rach as they lead us, for Nigel and Delia who have to be away this weekend and others who stand and seek to lead us, that we may be given courage and the words for his namesake.